Sawbones, a marital tour of misguided medicine. This is the new program for myself, Justin Tyler McElroy. That's my new thing, by the way. You're going to go with your middle name now? JT Mac. No. 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 That's no. not okay. Justin McElroy, it's a pleasure to be with you, and I'd like to introduce you to my lovely wife, Sydney. Well, I think for these purposes should i be should i be dr sydney dr sydney mcroy official medical doctor that that's right but not operating in any official capacity at this time yeah we no, should no official doctoring is being performed there is no official medical advice being given right we should clarify that sydney while sydney is a medical practitioner Nothing we will ever say will be uh, actionable medical advice. You can tell because the moment that I take a sip of beer, I cease to be an actual medical doctor, and I'm more of like a um, a George Clooney doctor. Okay, I got it. So at that moment, at that exact I'm moment, dashing, I'm charming, and everything <laughs> I say is bull. <laughs> uh oh, already. Are you really attracted to me right now? I'm terribly attracted to you. Um. Just do want to remind you, Sydney, that we don't curse on this show. <laughs> <laughs> I screwed it up already. <laughs> I am going to beep that out. That's no problem. I know how to beep. <laughs> I have to make it through an entire show without using profanity? Yes, I'm sorry. Those are the rules. This is a, a show for kids and adults alike. What is this, Double Dare? <laughs> <laughs> no, it's a show about the history of medicine, or at least the stuff that we uh, tried and did not work out so well. Sydney, what is the what are we talking about this week? Well, Justin, I thought that we would get started with something uh, really exciting when it comes to medical practice. Trepanation. Trepanation. That does sound exciting. Well, it's exciting for the people who practice it, but I don't know that it was particularly exciting for anybody who had it performed. Now, what is trepanation? Well, I'll give you a clue. Okay. It comes from a Greek word. Oh, good. That That's extremely helpful for me. Well, I was going to tell you the Greek word. Okay. Trypanon. <sighs> so now you get it, right? Obviously, that means to bore. To... <laughs> Something oh, so you're... you should be familiar with, wow, really? right? Just bringing <laughs> right? A-level yucks, right? <laughs> right? No, like, it, like, like a hole. Like to bore a hole. You know, like... like bore a hole in something oh okay i got you all right i'm with you now uh where am i gonna put a hole <laughs> whoa hey hey doc whoa whoa hey there like i can think of literally no i'm sitting here trying to think of places there's no place i want to put a hole there might not be any place you wanted to put a hole but for seven thousand years humans have been wanting to put holes in their heads no come on 
That's true. Trepanation is the process of uh, essentially putting a hole in your skull. Okay, Sydney, when I was a young man, uh, just a tot, really, um, I uh, I uh, was pitching a fit because I had to take a nap. And when I, uh, when I was flailing about, like tots do, I slammed my head onto the windowsill, and there was blood everywhere, and I had to get it stapled. So is it like that? Well, Justin, not at all. <laughs> I was very close. I was close, though. I mean, basically, I have a basic functional understanding of this uh, medical procedure, right? Well, uh, no, because what I would imagine is that when you say you put a hole in your head, you mean that you tore the skin of your scalp, which overlies your skull, which, of course, is the bone. Right. Right. You didn't actually break your skull. It felt like I broke my skull. You don't remember that. It was extremely painful, Sydney. You have I'm, no memory of that. You're making this I'm up. I'm frankly hurt you brought it up. It was an extremely <laughs> painful memory. Uh, the reason that I know you didn't actually fracture your skull is that they used staples to put it back together. Right. They did use staples to put it back together. Right. Correct. So it wasn't your skull. Not technically my skull, no. no it, it felt was, like my skull. You can acknowledge skin it. skin overlying your skull. You can acknowledge it felt like my skull broke. Well, I can acknowledge that because I know for a fact that the, the skin is probably more painful than the skull bone itself fracturing. So it makes sense. Because nerves? M- yes, because of nerves. <laughs> okay, so tell me, what is actual medical trepanation? Why did we ever think this was a good Let's idea? Let's be careful when we say actual medical trepanation. That's a loaded, <laughs> okay. a, a loaded concept <laughs> that you've thrown around. Okay. What's interesting is, about the history of trepanation is that, or trephination with a PH if you prefer. I don't know what. I don't. I, I, don't, I don't really care. Uh, is that when we talk about the history, what we're really talking about is the history of the discovery Oh, trepanation. How do you mean? Well, if you were to ask me what exactly was the first moment when a human said, hey, I think I need to put a hole in your head in order to make you feel better. I don't know because uh, we we really don't understand why primitive people um, practice this. We just know that they did. And then we've put it together through a lot of context clues. Okay, which is really good science. I think instead of starting 7,000 years ago when we know people were practicing trepanation, I think we should start in 1685. Take me back, Sid. Put me in the Wayback Machine that we own. So in 1685, there were people digging in France, you know, just digging in the ground. They were making that hole where they put all the bodies, right? Humor me. Yes, they were digging a hole to put lots of bodies. What? Where were the bodies coming from? Like in the, uh, dead people would die in France. What they do, they don't can't they don't have cemeteries, so they put everybody in catacombs. So they put everybody in catacombs, and as they're yes, that's sure. And they're digging. And give me a French guy accent. So Sydney, Sydney, love you. Yeah, but you're a, okay. You're not a French skunk. You're a French guy who's who's digging. Oh, they're digging. She is so hard. And so you're digging. You're in you're in the Neolithic burial site. Oh, this Neolithic burial site. Of Incisheim. Incisheim. Beautiful. Beautiful Incisheim. Incisheim. I'm guessing at the pronunciation. Me, I'm not. I'm from there. My grandfather was born in there. You're digging and you stumble across. Whoa. Oh, my, 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 my baguette has struck something. <laughs> so, Why are you digging with a baguette? I am digging, with a, digging baguette. with a baguette. I have fashioned it into a shovel. <laughs> and 
you find a human skull. Oh no, not as, that! As you pick up a, this human skull, murder was foul with the tip of your baguette. <laughs> the ash from your cigarette that inevitably is dangling from your oh, mouth. I wish I could quit. I am addicted to the little bitches. <laughs> it falls through a hole in the skull that you find. Um, in the top of the skull. There's a hole. What, why is there a hole? Well, you don't know. Okay. It's 1685. Did I hit it? You with, don't know anything. Did I hit it with my baguette? You're really not sure. Okay. So I'm trying to get into this character. So, well, you don't know why. Okay. So why I, is there a hole? There's a perfectly there? round hole. This is a mystery. Mm-hmm. I will call Poirot. No, you really don't tell anybody. I don't tell Poirot. No. Okay. You make note of it in terms of, like, you tell your <laughs> my friends. Lo- my log? You tell your <laughs> friends about it. Dear diary, the strangest <laughs> thing happened today. You, maybe you, like, I don't know. You call. There's not curators at the time. You call your buddy who like <laughs> has like can a read. Music. Okay, and write. <laughs> and he writes it down. Is like this is crazy. Pierre found a skull with a Hello, he- is, <laughs> with this, hole in it. is this brainy Dave? It's your friend Pierre. <laughs> because that's it. That's it. 1685. They find a skull with a hole in it and basically disregard it. Why? Because they don't really understand it. They figure, ah, it was a trauma. It was some weird. Somebody got a spear through their head and died. The only reason we even know that this happened is because of what happened in 1816. Now, what happened in 1816? So they're still digging in France. All of these discoveries are in France. Now, that is not the place where trepanation necessarily originated. It's just where we found out about it. Okay. So they're digging again in a Neolithic burial pit, and they find another skull with a hole in it. That's weird. Not the holes we expect, you know, for the eyes and the mouth and the nose. And all <laughs> right, I gathered. An extra one. <laughs> yeah. A bonus hole. What is with these holes? There are two in the front <laughs> and two smaller ones and then they big one at the bottom. So at this point, at this point, the, the, deci- the you know, scientists start looking at this. Anthropologists and scientists start examining this skull and decide that in, an, a hole was intentionally put in this skull. Well, now, why would they decide that? Because it looks intentional. Okay. Because it, it's round. It's perfectly round. It's not something that just happens. Okay. So they decide there there must be a reason, uh, but they also erroneously decide that this was done after death. Oh, okay. But for some reason, after this person died, a hole was probably drilled in the skull. Okay. And again, they just kind of put it to rest. They just decided well one of life's little mysteries right except for Ephraim George Squire I knew I could count on him yes Ephraim Ephraim so and not too long after the that 1816 um discovery about probably about 50 years later okay um so he was he was a um, a rich guy <laughs> an anthropologist a diplomat and a lover a fighter a lover a fighter um, a midnight toker. <laughs> I don't know. Sure. <laughs> he he was <laughs> touring Peru, and uh, he was hanging out at this rich Peruvian lady's house. Okay. So was she beautiful? She was beautiful, <laughs> mysterious, exotic? and charming. Okay. And exotic, and she had a collection of skulls. So. Okay, I like this. She was this. a little freaky. I like if that. You know what I mean? I d- and I do. 
and uh, he he was touring her her home and noticed that among her collection of um are we still in france no we're in peru now peru we have okay. moved to peru i don't do peruvian go on among her collection of of artifacts uh you know like spearheads and fossils and pots and all the usual stuff there's a skull and what is in this skull jello oh with jello did you say jello <laughs> okay a hole there's a hole i should have guessed a hole, a hole. And uh, Ephraim is the first one to really look at this and say, like, okay, what is going on? Why are all these, why are there all these skulls with holes in them? But nobody knows. No. So he asks this lady, I have to imagine there's a scenario. I mean, if you read about it, he just said, hey, can I take this skull? I think it's special. And she said, yeah, go for it, man. I like to think that he seduced her. Oh, okay. I like this. Right? So, like, they're in the middle of, they're, like, post-coitus, and he's like, I'm going to go out and smoke whatever people in Peru smoke instead of cigarettes. Uh, <laughs> weed? Weed. I'm going to go smoke know. some weed outside. <laughs> don't, I don't. That doesn't sound very. Stay here. Very classy or sexy. I've made you. I'm going to smoke some oregano. I'm going <laughs> to <laughs> I'm going to smoke the finest Thai basil one I'm gonna can grow. I'm going to smoke some, some Thai basil outside. <laughs> Don't follow me. You wouldn't want to anyway. It has literally no psychotropic effects. <laughs> and it really hurts your lungs. And it hurts your lungs and it tastes hey, delicious. Hey, kids, don't smoke. Don't smoke. Anything. Oregano, basil, sage. Whatever. Rosemary. Any, the more delicious it sounds, that's the, the, <laughs> less, the less good it is for you. So, what, uh, so he steals this skull. <laughs> it's very exciting. He has to leave a bag of sand that weighs approximately <laughs> the same amount on her pedestal so her traps don't trigger. He takes it to Dan Aykroyd, who <laughs> makes the greatest vodka that's ever. I don't think been that's created. actually accurate. Okay, give me the actual no. true thing that really <laughs> genuinely happened. What really happened is that he took this skull back to the U.S. and he presented it to the New York Academy of Medicine. Okay, and he said, "Hey, doctors, look at this. Look at this. Look at this hole. Look at this. What do you What do you think was up with this guy? Why is there Jello all over it? Um." Everybody said, you know what? Uh, they all looked at it and probably like, ooh, oh, ooh. ooh probably made a lot of expressions and like scratched their chins a lot and twirled their mustaches and finally all decided this is definitely a surgical procedure. They're just guessing, right? They're just definitely. guessing. Definitely. We can tell this was a surgical procedure. However, we still think that it wasn't done until after the person died, so we have no idea why we're concerned with this. The reason that everybody was so excited about this is that it, it indicated, at the time, the, the common belief was that uh, <laughs> humans used to be really stupid. Right. And that there was no way that an ancient culture could have come up with some kind of surgical procedure right right if they were drilling into a skull it was because they were dead and they were doing something weird and ritualistic and gross and that had no medical benefit so to physicians of the time the idea that maybe they were doing something that had like a logical basis or at least what they thought was a logical basis was completely absurd so they so you're saying that the idea that it was a medical procedure did not even enter their possibility sphere because they didn't think that people in olden times even did anything medical. Exactly, because it would it would necessitate that they had some kind of diagnosis, 
that they were following. Okay, okay, okay. And I should preface this with... And they thought that they just used magic, basically. Right, right. And I I should preface this with the the idea that sometimes um, the skull is fractured so that someone breaks their skull, it uh, damages the tissues beneath, which causes swelling, and then the swelling could be dangerous, even fatal, to the to the person that had already been somewhat established so they thought if they found a skull that was already broken and then had a hole in it the thought process was oh okay well they broke their skull their brain swelled so they tried to take a piece out to relieve the pressure okay so this was a skull that wasn't broken and had a hole in it so none of this made sense this would insinuate that an ancient culture was able to diagnose some kind of brain process without any, you know, labs or tests or really any instruments whatsoever or really any knowledge of what was going on. So this was total. This blew their minds. Okay, Ephraim was the only one who had any faith. Um, I knew I could count on Ephraim. He, the New York Academy of Medicine said, "Dude, yes, it's a <laughs> hole in a skull. We get it. It's it's weird." But like, you know, ancient dudes were weird and they drilled a hole in a skull and we're really not interested. Did weird take things. your take your weird Peruvian skull <laughs> <laughs> back to your mistress and get out of here. Okay. Uh, and he said, Screw you guys, I'm going to Paris. To meet with Paul Broca. <laughs> That's right, I said Paul Broca. Who is I know it's really exciting, isn't it? Who's Paul? Don't get too excited, Paul Broca. Who is Paul Broca? Of Broca's area, Broca's aphasia. What do you mean? Who is Paul Broca? All right, you're just jerking my chain now. Okay, so what did Paul Broca do? Paul Broca was many things. He was an anthropologist, indeed. He was a surgeon. He was a scientist. Um, he he studied neuroanatomy and neurophysiology, and uh, he he is known to this day by medical students and physicians across the country as uh, the reason that we all know about Broca's area of the brain. Broca's area of the brain is the uh, third gyrus of the left frontal lobe. Oh, okay. Now, what is a gyrus? It's a Do little. It's like a convolution. It's a crease. It's a wrinkle. Okay. The third wrinkle. Of the... Left frontal lobe. Okay. So the left front part of the brain. And that's known as Broca's joint? next to the lateral sulcus. Broca's joint? Is that what it's called? Broca's area. It works. Broca's place. Yeah. It's where language is. Oh, okay. It's our language center. And Broca discovered So when somebody has Broca's aphasia, for instance, Mm -hmm. um, they can understand everything you say and they want to respond to it, but they can't form language interesting they can't their brain tells their mouth and their you know lips and their tongue how to work and it won't happen so what did broca make of the skull okay so broca said dude this was done while this guy was totally alive how could broca everybody's just guessing because bone still grows after I mean, as long as you're still alive, bone keeps growing even after a surgical procedure. So you can tell if you make a hole in the skull and then the person keeps living, you can see bone growth. You can see that. Okay. So he could tell that this was done while the guy was still alive. 
So he was the first one to say, hey, these ancient dudes were, were performing some kind of surgical procedure. He had a, he actually, he said that, um, that what astonishes him, this is a quote from Paul Broca that I, I appreciated, is not the boldness of the operation. How do you choose your favorite Broca quote, though? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I heard that sarcasm. What astonishes me is not the boldness of the operation, as ignorance is often the mother of boldness. So anyway, at this point, uh, they published a paper, Broca published a paper uh, telling everybody of his findings. And by 1867, trepanation was everywhere. Everybody was finding, they were just digging up skulls left and right. And, and what was surprising is that there were a lot of skulls and, and skeletons that had already been found that had holes in them. It's just nobody had really noticed or paid attention. Somehow everybody had just refused to acknowledge that there were all of these dead guys with holes in their heads. And what the hell was this all, <laughs> heck was this all about? I think hell's okay. Is it? <laughs> I don't know. You told me you censored me. <laughs> I would never. So we start discovering basically all of these different uh, skulls with holes that, well, not even discovering, just fuck frigging noticing. Sorry. Okay, that's not okay. That's, that, mm-hmm. Just noticing that there are skulls with holes in them all of a sudden. Now, here's the thing. Before we get all weird, <laughs> okay, because things are about to get weird. I've realized oh. that I keep talking about drilling a hole in people's heads. God, yeah, can you keep it like not scary though? Because I me- really, I just ate. I'd, usually I'd like to go into a really detailed description of the whatever medical thing I'm talking about, but with, with trepanation, it's pretty straightforward. What's that? Initially, uh, people just used a hard piece of stone, like obsidian or flint, and they would just scrape away bone until there was a hole there. Okay, that sounds very pleasant. It was an instrument called a tumi, T-U-M-I, a tumi, and they would just scrape or scrape away at the bone. Usually, they would use kind of a crisscross pattern until they like had you know hacked away enough and removed the piece of bone. Pretty simple. Um, eventually, uh, they developed drilling and chiseling tools, like handheld tools, that they could use to remove a piece of bone. And it was usually a circle. They would chip away and in a circle until they had created enough little teeny perforations would, okay. to take the piece out. I say they perforated, yeah. Yeah. And then finally in the medieval times, they had mechanical drills. Nowadays, mm-hmm. you would use a, an electric drill for this procedure. Oh, good. Yeah, that sounds much more pleasant. Um, it was a, It could be anywhere from a few centimeters to half the skull, and most of them around, ha- but there wait, are square half holes. The skull? Half the skull. Jesus. It's usually done in the parietal bone. There are just several bones in the skull. It's usually well, since it's the, all made up. It's up in the kind of the side Does there, front part here. Do you see where I'm pointing? Yeah, they like can not see that. Over your they ear. can see that at home, too. Not over your say. ear because that's your temporal bone. And then in the back, there's like the occipital bone. And then in the front, there's a the frontal bone. So in the side, that's usually where it was, the parietal bone. Let's talk about, uh, because at this point, obviously, uh, scientists doctors anthropologists were wondering why why did people do this right right we know that the only good reason to put a hole in the head is if there's swelling around the brain if the brain is swollen and it keeps just you know swelling and mashing up against the sides of the skull it's going to get damaged and you can die that way so so that was an obvious idea like i mentioned earlier that people you know hit their head broke their skull and so they drilled another hole to relieve pressure that was an obvious reason 
What we begin to theorize is that they also did it for things like, oh, things that we all treated poorly back in the day. Headaches, seizures, um, the idea that we used to treat uh, possession with a hole in the head <laughs> was probably oh, pretty God. valid. I mean, how else would you get rid of the evil spirits, right? But this is all theorizing, right? I mean, right. We, don't, we don't have any heart proof. Um, no, most, no cave paintings. Most me. of our ideas about why we why we did trepanation are really just that they're ideas i mean we we we're pretty sure that people did it for actual skull fractures so you know to relieve pressure on the brain but as far as the other medical indications um we really don't know we think mental illness was treated with this a lot but we again these are all just theories and it probably would have just been an interesting historical point if it weren't for one weirdo is it that um is it that paul guy again no it's not that paul guy are you calling paul broca a weirdo no i mean not of course i would never besmirch the good name of paul broca i've been a fan of his for minutes <laughs> no i'm talking about dr bart hughes dr bart hughes That's i like right. that that's a dashing name dr dr bart um was interested in ways to expand his consciousness and, and could you interpret that for everyone, Justin? What does that mean if you're interested in ways to expand your consciousness? He loved drugs. Dr. Bart loved drugs. Okay. <laughs> so he was looking for ways um, to explore the, the limits of the human psyche and the human intellectual potential. He began studying these, you know, skulls with holes in them and the idea of trepanation. And he was fascinated by it he really thought that um, maybe these ancient people were onto something uh, and he began to come up with the concept of blood brain volume blood brain volume I say that as if it's one word because it is written as one word in his in his book blood brain volume okay blood brain volume so the the idea was that um we could increase the uh, thought processes and the, the metabolism of the brain if we increase blood flow. So that makes sense, right? Like blood carries oxygen to our cells. I would have literally no way of knowing. And if we can get more blood to our brain, we're carrying more oxygen to our cells, which will make them work faster and better. And we'll be, I don't know, smarter, happier, more enlightened. Better capable of moving objects with our head there is no spoon i don't know <laughs> <laughs> better at rapping much better at rapping that's what really what dr bart was after was the perfect rapper <laughs> okay so he thought he could make the perfect rapper so this is i i'd like to can i quote again Do you sure mind? please i would like to quote dr bart as to how he kind of stumbled onto this concept uh i met someone who used to stand on his head for considerable periods of time. When I asked him why he did it, he said it got him high. Later, I was given some mescaline. <laughs> and it was then that I got my first... It was then that I got my first <laughs> clear picture of the mechanism, realizing that it was the increase in the volume of brain blood one word 
uh, that gave the expanded consciousness. Oh, Mescaline, what can't you do? Thank you, Mescaline. Thank you, Mescaline, for all you've given to us. So what he went on to, to really theorize is that, okay, uh, Justin. Yes. Have Cindy. you ever seen a baby? Yes. You know about the soft spot. Indeed, I do. So what is the soft spot? That's a spot where babies are... When God made a baby, he didn't finish it. Okay, so you don't know what the soft spot is. <laughs> Ma'am, I do not. Okay, so at the top of in the top of a baby's head, well, That's I mean, in God. our heads when we were babies too. Yeah, any head. There is an area where the the bones of the skull. There, the the skull is not one solid bone. Okay, it's it's several bones fusing together. Okay. But when we're babies, there are areas where they haven't fully fused together yet. And that's that's purposeful. It's to allow room for brain growth mm. as we age. Okay. And then eventually all the bones fuse together. They harden up. Um, there is a spot, or there are a couple of spots actually, where the bones haven't fused together yet when we're babies. And those are the what we call the quote unquote soft spots or fontanelles is the medical term for them. Mm -hmm. So um, you'll see uh, if you take your babies, uh, if you have children, or if you've stolen someone's children, give them back. But but first. But if you're not going to give them back, take them to a doctor. <laughs> but do give them back. Um, it, you'll notice that uh, your, your pediatrician or family physician will check their soft spot to notice how big it is has it fused yet is it too early is it too late does it feel like the bones are overlapping so that's something that we do frequently anyway the point is uh the soft spot was already well known and uh, dr bart theorized that as babies the reason we were happy and joyful and innocent and naive is because of the soft spot the bones of our skull weren't fused yet, so we had room for um, open-mindedness and enlightenment. So that, now I'm not, a, I'm sort of an amateur doctor, more of a sort of a semi-pro physician, really, through my studies and my uh -huh. books. Sure. Uh -huh. That sounds like bullshit to me. Like, just my uninformed opinion, that sounds like bullshit. Well... Um, it is, <laughs> but Dr. Bart really believed this. He really thought that the problem with, as we become adults, our skull bones fuse and we are limited in the way we can see the world. So we become cynical and bitter and angry and mundane. So what was his solution for all this? To, um, practice trepanation and recreate the fontanelle that we once had. Oh, Jesus. So to put a hole in your head. Like, that doesn't even make, like, that doesn't mm -hmm. even make, why would nature make us so that our heads don't close right? I mean, like. He, he based this on a theory, and I won't get into all of it, because I, I read it, and I no matter how many times I read it, I still can't understand, it doesn't make any sense. But basically what he was trying too to say is that. Is it too technical? No, because it's stupid. <laughs> is that we evolve too quickly? Oh, we evolve so quickly, and I'm, now our skulls close, and they're not supposed to. And so, this is a mistake, not evolution. So we've got to drill a hole in our heads. He believed this so strongly, though. You got to give the guy some credit. He believed it so strongly that he drilled a hole in his head to prove it. Nice. And then he was institutionalized. No. 
<laughs> yes. Not that guy whose name I forgot. Um, how could this how could this fate befall him? Dr. Bart spent a few years in uh, in a psychiatric hospital oh, no. because, you know, he drilled a hole in his own head. Ah, oh, Dr. Bart. Although he he says that the moment he drilled that hole in his head, he became enlightened, that he understood the world in a way that he never had before. And dizzy. I would <laughs> and sleepy. I would say blood loss or meningitis as possible reasons for this. Um, but he did none of these things resolve. None of these things resulted. He really just he drilled a hole in his head and he was put in a psych hospital. Okay. When he got out though, there was a whole new thing out there for him to discover. What was that? Well, that was LSD. Ah, all right. So he got out of the psych hospital. I I don't know. He found some LSD. I guess it, it was the sixties. It was everywhere. Yeah, like, easy it was to just come by. Hanging off of lamppost. It was. <laughs> He you get it when you move the into the neighborhood. You get a sample of Tide and you get some LSD. He picked up some LSD and he started hanging out with a guy named Joseph Mellon. Uh, he he did some LSD. He gave Joseph Mellon some LSD and then convinced Joseph Mellon also to drill a hole in his head. So he's got a whole kind of team now. Good old Joey was thrilled with the results, felt enlightened and happy like never before. So much so that he called up his his lady love amanda fielding we'll call her mandy and said hey what's hey mandy hey mandy it's me it's joey uh i had something special in mind for our three-year anniversary something real nice something real tender uh i know you were expecting flowers or chocolates diamond maybe Girl, you know how you're always saying I need to work harder to get inside your head? Well, listen. I got it. <laughs> and I want to put it on film. I'm going to... What? Wait, what? Joseph Mellon and uh, Dr. Bart drilled a hole in Amanda Fielding's head and put it on film. How's that not on the tube? How's that not on the tube? I don't know. I want to see this right now. Would, How's that not on the tube? It might be on YouTube. I didn't look. Sydney, do we do this today? Is this is this a medical procedure at, with any relevance? Now this is yes, but it's not. We don't call it trepanation. We call it a craniotomy. Craniotomy. Um, we perform a craniotomy. There are two real scenarios where this is standard. So first of all, if you're going to have surgery on your brain, we're going to take a piece of your skull out to get to it, and that's. I think that's pretty self-explanatory, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, I do think it's interesting that if we have to do brain surgery, uh, your neurosurgeon will remove a piece of your skull. And and sometimes if the piece of skull has to stay out for a while, because it's normal after a surgical procedure to have some swelling. So the brain could swell and you don't want to put the skull back and then have the brain swell and smash up against the side of the skull. I mean, think about it really basically. It smashes up against the side of the skull and it, it gets damaged. That's bad. It's upsetting. So they take the piece of skull and you know where they put it? Where? In your abdomen. Oh, that's they, nice. It keeps it there all nice and warm and safe until they're ready to put it back. I was th- I thought you were going to say butt. <laughs> I really thought. This, I thought you were going to say butt. Why would I say butt? You just seems like you just put the skull in your butt. No, you put it in your abdomen. But not, um, but not maybe like your, some people will try the butt and it just didn't work. Yeah, no. Okay. Okay, so that's one. So that's a craniotomy for a surgical procedure. We also, in an emergency situation, um, so let's say that you fall and hit your head really hard on something. Okay. Ah. Yeah, you might get some bleeding inside your skull. No. 
It could be, so the dura is like this thin layer of tissue. It's hardy tissue. It's thin, but it's tough. And it lines the brain. And you might get blood on the outside of it, epidural, or under it, subdural. Either way, it's, it can be a bad situation. Sometimes, if there's enough blood collecting, especially outside an epidural um, blood collection, we have to drill a hole in the skull to let out the pressure to save your brain, to keep your brain from My getting precious, precious smushed instrument. by all that blood. Okay, so there's some legitimacy. So, to there, it. so there is there is a scenario in which you might see. I mean, uh, I mean, and of course, you probably have seen this on ER or I don't know some other kind of medical show where you see a doctor take a drill to a patient's head in a you know in an emergency situation and drill a hole, a burr hole, to uh, release the blood and the pressure and save the brain tissue. Now, this is rare. Sure. And this is usually following a trauma, and this isn't something that you see standardly. Um, the problem, I think, is that this procedure has uh, persisted for, uh, I don't know, pseudoscientific reasons. I think that might be a nice way it's of putting it. a kind of, way of putting it. Of putting it. Um, right now, trepanation is still being studied as a legitimate medical procedure to increase uh, Dr. Bart's um, brain blood volume. And um, increase our consciousness and awareness, our intellectual processes. Expand our brain room. Yeah. yeah I want to try it. No, we're not going to try it. I want to try it. Uh, the, the problem right now is that it's just like with anything, right? The problem so is there's you won't a, let me do, do the one thing that I want to do more than anything in the world is the main problem. So there's an international trepanation advocacy I group. You're just pretending like I don't want it. So you can go to um, trepan.org and find out about it. I can. You can. <laughs> You're but saying I should. No, I'm not saying you should. You're saying tomorrow at work I should find out about it and that I should do it. I should find out about it, maybe do it, and maybe do you it. You should never do it. But there is a website, and it's by the International Trepanation <laughs> Advocacy Group. Which is real. That's ITAG. And what they're saying is that doctors don't want you to know <laughs> the advantages of trepanation because it can make you smarter. I knew it. It can make you enlightened. You are afraid of me surpassing you. That's right. I Admit don't want it. you to be too clever <laughs> with afraid. that hole in your head. You're afraid that I'll start uh-huh. beating you in Othello. Right. <laughs> they claim at this um, at some of the websites that I, I looked at, the advocacy websites, that um, I am I am worried as a physician that it would it would endanger my medical practice because everybody be too everybody too... be so freaking smart you wouldn't need me anymore. <laughs> that I it, love that. that. I I like to know everything and I can't handle it if everybody's got holes in their heads and they're geniuses. You're trying to limit the population. I am in a herd like state. To, I'm trying to limit you. Why are you trying? Um, I've got that pill that Bradley Cooper took, and I'm keeping it from you all. <laughs> you pill, can't have it. The pill that Bradley Cooper took was trepanation. <laughs> that doesn't. The, the, he didn't have a limitless pill. In his head. He got a hole in his head, and he had to get a new one every day. Thank you so much for listening to our uh, our show, Sawbones. We sure hope you had enjoyed it. If you could just take a moment, if you enjoyed the program, first off, maybe tweet about it. You know, just get out there and share it. Share it with the world. Tell your friend. Tell your mom. Tell your dad. It's safe for kids. Tell your kids. Make your kids listen. They might learn something for once. And like school funded by people with solid skulls, 
Um, we're not. We're gonna try really hard not to <laughs> use profanity. <laughs> just we're gonna work at it, and if we mess up, just forgive us. Um, it, you can uh, find us on Twitter. We don't have a Twitter yet, but we'll be on Twitter soon. Well, we we <laughs> each have individual Twitters. Yeah, I'm Justin's just, at, at Justin McElroy, and she's at Sydney McElroy. S Y D N E E. We are uh, so pleased to be a part of the uh, the Maximum Fun Network. Thank you to them for having us on their uh their their podcasting station it's more of a, a i know really. i we really appreciate it i don't feel worthy so thank you i hope you'll check out all the other programs on maximum fun like wham bam pow one bad mother the day fell podcasting incident uh, a little show called my brother my brother my me, brother my brother and me jordan jesse go bullseye and judge john hodgman and a host of others so thank you for listening to uh sawbones a marital tour of misguided medicine. And don't drill a hole in your head. Don't drill a hole in your head. All right. Yeah. org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Listener supported.